Freedom is our greatest gift. And yet, do we truly appreciate it? Or do we take it for granted? Are we aware of the prices that we have to pay to truly be free? This is a critical question because it defines the very way we look at our lives. So please join me in this important discussion. Is freedom free? The benefits of freedom, what it truly means to be free, and how to appreciate it and grow and allow it to maximize who we truly are. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we will be speaking about Is Freedom Free? This program is dedicated by Zachary Kirstein in honor of his wife, Shifra Dina. Thank you for continually inspiring and connecting me to Yiddishkeit. Quote, unquote. Freedom is not perhaps, but definitely our greatest gift the ability to be a free human being without somebody else imposing their will and their rules and their control over us. And yet, though freedom today is a given in so many countries, do we really appreciate it? Or do we take it for granted? There was a time where we had to fight for our freedoms. But today we don't have to in most cases. So what happens when we don't have to fight for such a value? What does it do to us? And what does it really mean to be free? Is freedom free? Or does it come with a price? And when you're not paying a price, what impact does it have on your life? That's what we'll be speaking about. I know it may sound a little abstract, but let's put it in very simple English. It comes down to this. In life, we are blessed with many gifts. The gift of life, the gift of health, the gift of a family, of love, companionship, the gift of a livelihood. I mean, there are many, many things that are blessings and gifts. And yet here's the interesting irony. Once you have that in place and you're secure and confident in the blessings of your life, we often take it for granted. And it becomes like a given, almost like a sense of entitlement to the point that we become somewhat complacent and indifferent and apathetic. So that's a strange thing, because one would think when we're not blessed, God forbid, and we're impoverished or suffering or in some way dealing with challenges and not really having our gifts in place, you would think that would cause a lot of anguish. And it does. But you learn to appreciate what it is when you don't have it. As soon as you get it, and it becomes a given, we tend to take it for granted. Like the guy that asked his friend, what's worse, ignorance or apathy? And he said, I don't know, and I don't care. That's the power of apathy. It's a kiss of death. It's this type of like almost paralysis. It's one thing that you adamantly are against something, but when you don't care, hey, 
But is that appropriate? And is that fitting? And why would that be the case? When we have these blessings, shouldn't we appreciate them even more than when we don't have them? But that's how it is in life. That's the nature of the human being. That's the nature of existence. It's something that we need to fight. And we'll discuss this. Because to take for granted things does not create growth. It's like being in your comfort zone and it creates an element of, uh, yes, arrogance even. A sense of entitlement. I deserve this. Those that appreciate life, even the gifts that are given in their lives, have a certain measure of humility, which allows them to really continue to grow, continue to build. Once you lose that humility and have that sense of entitlement, it affects your relationships. It affects because you feel like you deserve it. And the lack of humility can create all kinds of problems, as we know, the power of arrogance. So the apathy, the arrogance, all the result of what? Of a great gift. So now let's bring it back to freedom. Now freedom is no question a natural element each of us deserves. The founding fathers said it, an inalienable right. We see these as inalienable rights as bestowed, bestowed upon us, endowed upon us from the Creator. In other words, it's not given to us by any human being, not even our parents. It's given to us, it's a, it's a, it's a, a birth, our birthright. A given right that a person has the right to be free. Freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. The ability to be yourself and not be told by another person what to do. Obviously, in any type of institution, any type of government, any type of community, you need to have rules for coexistence because if everybody just does whatever they want freely, then you could also have a situation of complete self-destruction. But that is not meant to curb or to limit our freedoms. It's meant to channel them and harness them in the right way. You need red lights and green lights. If you're just free, I, I can just drive. Well, there's another guy driving in the other direction, and we both can crash into each other. And the same thing with so many other social rules that we create. But that still does not take away the essential essence of what a free person is. Now, it's interesting, this is not that old. 1776 is not that many years ago. It's 250 years. 1976 would be 200 years. And add another 50 years. So, So that's not a long time. However, in the Bible, Jewish thought, freedom is instilled in the human being from the beginning as we read in Genesis that the human being was created in the divine image. If that means anything, it means that there's a divine element within us which is not defined by our nature and by creation itself, even by the nature of our beings. That divine element gives us the ability to choose, to be free. And the true meaning of freedom in that context is not just what many people think it is. I can do whatever I like. A true meaning of freedom means that what you do is not imposed upon you by any outside force. It comes from within you. That's why there are people who call themselves free, but they're enslaved to their own addictions, to their own compulsions, habits, routines. Just because they want to do it doesn't mean they're free. Freedom means that there aren't any forces that are 
trapping you or limiting you. And this is a vital component because what happens when we do start taking our freedoms for granted, that usually is what happens. We begin to use that freedom to do whatever we like and we could end up becoming enslaved to the things that should have freed us. Look at technology today. Many people will tell you, I feel enslaved, not emancipated by my mobile phone, by the texting, by the demands upon me. Now, wasn't this meant to free us in order to save time, to be able to communicate quickly, to be able to have access to any information, anytime, anywhere? And yet, it could become our master, and we become the slave. The fact that it's not with a ball and chain or you're not behind bars in a prison doesn't make you less, less enslaved. It just means it's a different type of slavery. And what about a person who's bored or other reasons they're in pain, and I'm not judging anyone, and gets addicted to something, to alcohol, to drugs, to porn, to gambling? Is that freedom? You, choose, you chose to get addicted? It began with freedom because you didn't have to be that way. But in whatever it is that compelled you, now you are addicted to something. It's another form of slavery. Is that less of a slavery than actually being a slave to a master as it was in the Middle Ages and before that in so many countries where monarchs ruled? So indeed, yes, this country was the first institutionalized entity that formalized the God-given right of freedom of every human being, the Bill of Rights, even though, as I said, it comes originally from the Bible, but it was not popular. It was only the Jews that lived by that, and that's why in many ways they were loathed, because they chose not to necessarily follow the land, the laws of the land. I don't mean the laws of the land, the legal laws, the beliefs of the land. The Jews were seen as, as defying or going against the faiths or the religions of others and their customs. In the words of Haman in the, in the, in the Purim story, so here's a nation that's spread among all your, all your countries, Haman says to Achashverosh, and their faith is different than everybody's. Their religion, their, their rituals are different than everybody's. That difference irked people. Whatever the reason, maybe people want conformity. But regardless, freedom was not something that was a given. Once it became a given, it was deeply appreciated, and we went to war for it. The Revolutionary War in the United States was to have freedom from the British oppression, whether ta over taxation or other forms of control. And you could even see it in the ap apologetic tone of the Declaration of Independence, where the Founding Fathers clearly say there comes a time where we have to review and determine our own destiny. And we didn't want to do it. We were forced to do it. And then we had to fight for that freedom more than once. World War II was perhaps the greatest, last, the last great war where it was a fight for freedom. You're talking about the Axis, the Nazi, Nazi Europe, Nazi Germany, joined by Japan, who had a very different view of life. And they felt they should dominate. Now, initially, America was reluctant and resistant to join until they were forced. But then you were, we were fighting not just against an enemy. We were fighting for that belief of freedom. Today, most Americans, if not all, are born after World War II. So we've not had a war in our lifetimes, I include myself, for a value. I mean, now the war in Ukraine, some people, the outrage of seeing a country unprovoked, 
Russia invading it, touches that part of us. But we're so not used to that type of battle. That's why we chalk up battles to things that are more territorial or other stuff or religious. But in truth, Israel actually fights an existential battle for its very existence, for its very freedom to be Jewish, to be Israel. But it's not appreciated by many of us because we have not that to fight. Our blessing has become our curse, if I may say so. I don't like to use the word curse because it's not a curse. It's just the other side of the coin when things are going well. Now, I know we all have our challenges and we'll say life is not easy today. Look how many people go to therapy, how many people take medications, how many people suffer from depression, anxiety, downtime. But a lot of these ailments of our time are actually an outgrowth of our freedoms. They're not just they came from nowhere. They came because we have a lot of leisure, a lot of time. We have time to think about neurosis, and that in itself can cause neurosis. When we were toiling on a field over 100 years ago, and you came home exhausted, and you just made enough a bush, a few bushels of wheat or grain or rice or potatoes to have a meal and maybe sell off the rest or trade, trade it, you didn't have time for anything else. We have a lot of free time. So our blessing of freedom, not only to fight against oppression, being able to sit at home and not be afraid that someone's coming to arrest you or enslave you, has created a sense of invulnerability. COVID has pierced that to some extent, and I can tell you from my own experience in talking to people, the receptivity, the vulnerability of human beings has changed things dramatically because suddenly all our comforts and our security blankets were stripped from us. Our travel plans, the school, the leisure, sports, everything was affected to us, affected by it. The things we took for granted and suddenly realized, one second here, what's most important in our lives? But again, we're not accustomed to it because we have so long been spoiled and it's been a given. That is why it's critical to ask ourselves, is freedom free? And the answer is absolutely not. Because even the freedoms we take for granted now, someone paid a price. Whether it was the founding fathers during the Revolutionary War, or the people who fought World War II or World War I, <coughs> excuse me, or previous wars for values of freedom, or even present ones, which are, as I said, far rarer, they fought those wars. But most of us have not had to deal with that. So heavy prices were paid. People died. And I'll speak from the Jewish perspective. Do you know what kind of prices the Jewish people paid for their freedoms? Now we're coming to Passover now, which is one of the reasons we're talking about this topic. Passover is over 210 years. The Jewish people were enslaved, both physically, emotionally, psychologically. And their freedom came with a heavy price, which is why we honor it. We don't take it for granted, even though it's, you know, it's, you know how many years it is since then? 3,334 years. Over three millennia. And yet we don't forget it. And we're told, remember, again and again, remember, remember. Why are we told to remember something? We're long out of that slavery. And indeed, Maral of Prague, one of the great thinkers, 18th century, 17th century, writes that the freedom that the Jews experienced then was not just a physical one, it was a psychological and spiritual one. They no longer can be enslaved mentally. Because remember, a big part of enslavement, as we're talking and we shall talk about, is your attitude. They no longer can be enslaved. So why are we remembering something that happened thousands of years ago? 
It's almost like holding on with obsession. We're out of Egypt. Egyptians aren't coming after us. They're not even interested in that. The Egyptian empire is long, long diminished or even destroyed, doesn't even exist, including the Spanish empire and the Babylonian and the Persian and the Assyrian and the Roman and the Ottoman. They're all gone. Why do we need to remember? We're remembering not to take for granted our freedoms. We're remembering to appreciate the prices that are paid and that too, today too we need to pay prices. But thank God the price today is not through weapons. It's not through bearing arms. It's not through bloodshed. It's through a psychological awareness and appreciation with humility of your life. So recognizing that things that the greatest freedom is knowing it's not free. And when you appreciate it that way and you have that humility, then you can really maximize that freedom instead of it's enslaving you by creating the apathy and creating the enslavement to technology or other addictions to really allow it to soar and spread your wings. That's what it's about. That's why we remember. We remember. And that's why we recreate the Seder. Isn't that something worthwhile thinking about? That's a tremendous lesson. That even when the gifts seem to be given and you don't have to pay a price, no, you always remember that it doesn't come easily. And, that does not allow, and then it does not allow you to become apathetic. You realize it's something that has to be appreciated every second. There's a beautiful Torah thought from the Baal Shem Tov. It's on a verse where he says, famous verse that people know, My spirit, my soul thirsts for you as I'm in a parched and arid land. So I'm very thirsty. And then he continues with the conclusion, so too, Bakoidish, in holiness, I will gaze upon you. Which simply means that it's contrast. First we talk about thirst, and then so-called the hope that we will once again return to a holy place that is better, instead of being a spiritually arid And desolate life, I will enter into a place where I can gaze upon you, upon you, God the Divine. Says the Balshamta of Cain Bakredish, what's the Cain? It doesn't sound like it's contrast. It sounds like, and also, so he says the word Halavai comes to tell us that just as I appreciated you when I was thirsty, just as I appreciated a drink when I'm very thirsty, so too when I'm sated and I'm in, basking in the glory. And basking in the light, I too should still appreciate you then. Because it's one thing when, you don't, when you're lacking something. So of course you appreciate, you cannot wait when a person is extremely thirsty. When a person is struggling to breathe, you suddenly appreciate the power of every breath. But when you're breathing and you take for granted your gifts, you can lose that. Says the Baal Shem Tov, no. I pray and hope that I should never lose it, that I should always have the passion. Even when I'm in, in the water itself, I should still be passionate just as I was when I was thirsty. In other words, we don't need to turn the clock back to an oppress, a time of oppression. We need to be able to generate a type of sense of urgency and passion even when we are free as a given without having to struggle for it. So how do you do that? How do you do that? 
by understanding and appreciating what true freedom is. True freedom is not just our right. It's just not, it's not a selfish thing. It's our gift of responsibility. That you were given the ability to not be defined just by your natural instincts. You know, when a lion or another predator hunts prey, that's the way they're wired. You can't expect them to control and discipline themselves when they're hungry. And therefore, you can't prosecute them in a court of law. Why did you kill that deer? Why did you kill that, um, that antelope? Why did you kill that lamb? Human beings have the ability of self-control. We don't have to follow every whim and every desire and every lust. We have the ability not to be enslaved by our very impulses. That's ultimate freedom. And that has to be, we have to be cognizant of that all the time. So there is, there is the opposite of freedom, as people call it, real slavery. You're enslaved by another person, by another entity, by a country, by an empire, by the Egyptians, or by anyone. As was the case over much of history. It wasn't always harsh slavery or brutal slavery, but monarchs ruled and we were subject to them. If you were lucky and there was a benevolent monarch, a benevolent despot, great. But if not, at their whim, at whatever they wish, they could control our lives. That changed in the last few hundred years. Only a few hundred years. It's only a few hundred years. Imagine. Again, the Bible says it from the outset, but it took a while till the biblical principles became part and parcel of, cult- of our culture. And still there are countries in the world that it's not completely that way. I mean, look at the fight over Ukraine right now. Ukrainians want their freedom, their autonomy. Russia feels Ukraine is part of them. So this has been part of history, but thank God things have changed. But that's slavery or subjugation that's very overt. But there's another form where nobody's telling you what to do, but you have your own impulses telling you what to do. And that's what happens when apathy sets in. We take for granted. In many ways, freedom from real slavery is easier than freedom from your own internal slavery. Because your internal, you convince yourself, what do you mean? It's my phone, nobody's forcing me to do this. But there's a voice in you that's forcing you to do it. And you've become addicted to it. And many addicts are in that type of denial. I'm not addicted. Whenever I want, I can get off it. They would never say that if they were in a prison, in a physical prison, with somebody with a whip, or someone else forcing them to force labor, or doing some other thing like that. No one would ever say that. But when it comes internally, it's easy to make that statement. That's why this type of slavery is far worse. There's another verse I want to quote from the book of Isaiah, where he says, and it talks about the future, and it'll be in that, great, in that day, in the future, where a great chauffeur, there'll be the blast of a, of a sound of a great chauffeur. And what will it do? It will summon, it will call upon people from all over the world. Those that are lost in, this, in the country called Asher, and those that have been pushed aside and downtrodden in the land of Egypt. And they will all be called to do what? To prostrate themselves. To bow to the divine, to a higher reality that is greater than us all. So the question is asked, why does it say to be lost in this country called Asher, and others to only the downtrodden or the pushed aside in Egypt? And the answer is because there are two forms of slavery. 
One slavery is the slavery of Egypt, the Egyptian slavery, which Mitzrayim in Hebrew comes from the word constraints, limitations, inhibitions, fears, insecurities, all the things that limit us and literally diminish us. They cause us to be downtrodden, oppressed, afflicted. So there we're, we're definitely oppressed and we're definitely downtrodden. And that call of the great chauffeur will awaken us and free us from that. But then there's a far worse type of slavery. Asher comes from the word prosperity, opulence, wealth. And there you could think there's no slavery at all. No, no, no. There you get lost. You know why? Because you convince yourself, nobody's oppressing me. I have everything I want. My standard of living is high. I'm free to do whatever I like. I can travel wherever I want. I have all the technology in the world. I press a button and I get things delivered. Yeah, but you've forgotten about the voices inside you. Your impulsive, selfish, egocentric voice. That too can enslave you to the point where you get lost because at least there in the first one, you know you're downtrodden. You know you're being oppressed. It's like, you know it's dark, but here you convince yourself the darkness is light. Again, the Baal Shem Tov says there are two types of darkness from a verse in the Bible as well where it says, I shall cover and cover my face. A double covering. What's a double covering? It's one thing when the face is covered and it's dark, and you know it's dark. And you wait for the light. You're waiting for redemption. But what happens if the darkness conceals the darkness? What we call denial to the point that you think it's like light. All's good. The functional addict. I go to work. I'm successful. What do you want? You convince yourself it's light. That's far more difficult. There you get lost. You're lost because you can't even get out of it because you are part of the problem. You can't help someone who's not ready to help themselves. They're not even aware there's a problem. So you see what freedom can do. But this doesn't take away from the blessing of freedom. No way are we talking about getting back to a place of darkness that we know it's dark. It's coming to recognize that this too is a darkness until you free your spirit and you express, express yourself to live up to your mission in life, your calling in life. It's not about you. That's the key. When you're oppressed in an Egyptian constraint, you learn it the hard way. It's like you're hitting rock bottom. It's where the light gets in, where the wound is. You know you feel a wound. You feel the crack. But then there's another slavery, the slavery where you don't feel the crack, where you feel that things are good. There too you need a wake-up call. There too you need a great chauffeur. A great chauffeur, not just a regular one. Even greater. Because freedom can be that double-edged sword. But in both cases, it's one thing that frees you. It's not about you. It's not about you when you're being oppressed and therefore you can get through it. And it's not about you when things are free. It's not about you. It's about fulfilling your purpose in life. Another way of saying your divine calling. The image, the divine image in which you were created. That's what you need to live up to. And that's when we soar, and that's when we spread our wings. And that's equally important to appreciate. That even when things are going well, and you have all the food and drink you need, and even the spirituality, not to take it for granted and realize that there too you need transcendence. Transcending your very sense of freedom as your own right. It is your right, but it's not something that should be taken for granted. It's not just a given. It's not just a sense of entitlement. It's a gift. 
And every gift is in order to make us more in order to make us more responsible. Every gift, I'll repeat that. Every gift is in order to make us more responsible. What are we doing with these freedoms? Now it's interesting. I could tell you from my own life and work, for years and years, until September 11th, it was much harder to get this message across. 9-11 pierced the armor of our comfort zones, but nothing close to what happened in 2020 with COVID. And nothing close to what's happening now with the disruptions in Europe, in Ukraine, affecting us as well. Now, frankly, I would rather it all didn't happen, that we could go back into the lull, to be lulled back into our reverie, into our comfort zones. But when you do see a wake-up call like that, on a collective level, individually, that has always been the case. It's much harder, it's much easier to get through the person who's, unfortunately, security blankets and comfort zones have been affected. Someone who suffered a tragedy, a loss, a death, no one should ever know of it. But that crack allows us, allows people to be receptive. Now we see it in a more collective level. So clearly, human nature is such that when things are going well, it's easy to, yes, be lulled back into that reverie, into that sleep, into that complacency and apathy. And something shakes us up. Don't see that as a negative. See it as a wake-up call. And that's exactly what we need to be looking at, the world today, life today. We don't need to wait for a personal holocaust or a personal tragedy. God forbid, I don't even want to say it. Be wise. We need to be wise and appreciate with humility our gifts. It's harder. It's harder to do so. There's no question than when things are stripped from us. But imagine having both the best of both worlds. All those blessings, all those gifts, all those freedoms. And at the same time, appreciating them as if we don't have them. Staying thirsty even when you're sated. I remember an ad, I liked it. It was for motorcycles, of all things. But I remember registering it saying, transportation for those who are, who are already there. Transportation for those who are already there. So there's one thing, transportation, you're not there, you want to get there. But imagine you already feel you're on top of the world. Don't let it get to your head. Appreciate what it's all about. And realize that you still need transportation. You still need to transcend. It's more difficult to do so when things are going well. It's much harder to go from good to better than from bad to good. Because bad to good, you recognize this is dark. I want to go from darkness to light. But once you get there, it's so easy to take it for granted. I remember a fellow, I know him for many years, coming to my class. Blessed in many ways. And unfortunately, he had a medical uh, challenge. He ended up in a hospital. And they very, you know, really it was like... The doctors were giving up hope on him. Well, he had a miraculous recovery. But I remember when he was in that situation, he told me, you know, now I realize what priorities I should have. And, um, and you know, when I get back, hopefully, I'm not, I'm not going to be the same person. There's certain things I never really ended up doing because I took them for granted. Now I appreciate it. Well, lo and behold, what happened? He did come back and slowly gravitated back exactly where he was. And I never wanted to bring it up because hey, why, why rub it in? Why point out something? I, I was very happy that he had recovered. But he brought it up once and he said to me, you know, I was reading in a book. It's a book on recovery. Where a guy 
That's okay. It's a parable, a story, where a guy lived a life, a, a horrible, personal, selfish life. He took advantage of people. He had money. He had looks. He was never committed to anyone. He was just a taker. And he abused and he hurt many, many people. But like the story with the portrait of Dorian Gray, he got away with it. But finally, his day came. He died. He went up to heaven. And now he's standing before the heavenly tribunal. And uh, they're uh, reading to him uh, the riot act. They're reading to him all his crimes, which were not pleasant to hear. And what is he supposed to say? He didn't have much to say to defend himself. But before they rule, they say, go out into the heavenly, uh, heavenly courtyard and we'll call you back when we're ready to give you your verdict. Okay, there we go. He's out there wandering around and he meets someone. Someone comes, oh, why are you so dejected? He says, you know, I lived a great life. I took advantage. I, I abused my gifts, my freedoms, my freedoms and everything. And now I have to pay the price. So the, the gentleman says to him, one second, what would you do if I gave you the opportunity to go back down and relive your life? She so said, really? He said, yeah. But he was not stupid. So he says to him, yeah, but I got to go back. I got to remember this or else I'll just do it all again. I'll do it over all again. I'll do it all over again. No, I'll make a deal with you. Your memory, will be in, your memory will be intact. You'll remember everything. You'll remember this conversation. You'll remember all, what you did and all the consequences. You won't forget anything. He says, that, and you're giving that to me for free? He says, no. You have to sign on the dotted line here that you're giving me your soul. Okay, it's worth it. And he looks at the contract. He's getting a second chance. But he has to give up his soul, and he does. He goes back down. He remembers everything. This uh, gentleman delivered on his promise. And you know what? With all the memory intact, he relives his life exactly in the same sinful, selfish, narcissistic way again. And the parable is used in recovery to tell you about the Prince of Darkness. The Prince of Darkness was the gentleman he met. You give me your soul. Because it's not about memory. Even if you remember, it's so easy to take it all for granted. Just say, okay, tomorrow I'll correct my ways. That's the power that the Prince of Darkness knew that this person did not know. It's, much, it's not because I just come back and even though I remember everything. No, you need a shift of consciousness, a shift of willpower. It could be also giving away his soul didn't help, of course, which the Prince of Darkness knew and this person didn't know. He said, what do I need my soul for? I have my memory. Well, it doesn't work that way. Never underestimate the apathy and the complacency and the indifference that settles in when, we, when things are going well. And may everything go well for each of you, for everyone, forever. But be humble in your gifts and responsibilities. Realize that freedom is not free. Freedom is a gift make, to make you more responsible, to make you live up to your calling. Instead of spending so many hours dealing with your demons and skeletons and, yes, cap captors, those that hold you hostage, physical people, spiritual, psychological forces, the voices, the expectations, the demands from our childhood, from society, all those forces that keep you trapped. You are truly free, but only when you're humble. And that's why when you're not humble, 
the freedom will work against you. It'll be like a noose around your neck. Yes, you'll feel free, but you won't truly be free. That is why we need to have that bittle, that humility, understanding that freedom is a state of transcendence, transcending even your own freedom, even your own access to anything you wish. Be humble in the process. This is one of the most powerful lessons we all need to hear and should hear because it can change everything about your life. You don't need to wait to hit rock bottom. You don't need to wait for something to be taken away from you. It's waking yourself up and waking up those around us. Thank you very much. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, www.meaningfullife.com. Meaningfullife.com is our website where you can find this and many, many other programs, related topics, unrelated topics. We have a robust schedule, again, at MeaningfulLife.com. We're on all the platforms, social media platforms. So please check us out. If you're part, already been checking us out, great. Please share if you feel this was good to hear, important to hear. And I'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions. Stay in touch. We're all part of this journey. And we all deal with these similar challenges. And we can all help each other grow and transcend ourselves, transcend our very freedoms themselves, to be truly free. That's not just another extension of you and your slavery, but one that really opens you up to wider and broader and newer horizons as we continue to grow in this infinite journey and drawing that infinity into our own internal personal lives. Thank you very much and be blessed. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.